Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Nahmadu wa nusalli ala Rasulihi al-Kareem. Amma ba'd. Inshallah, we'll continue our session where we stopped off for the Sira of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We talked about the first ba'ah in the Meccan time that happened before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Sahaba migrated to Medina. Uh, the first uh, bay that happened after that, Rasulullah sallallahu sent uh, Musa'ab uh, ibn Umayr radiyallahu uh, with, uh, with uh, the Ansar who came and uh, entered into folds of Islam and they gave the bay to Rasulullah sallallahu Actually, they were Muslims and they gave the bay uh, on a few things that we discussed last week. Uh, and, uh, and then when uh, Musa'ab went to, to Medina to teach them about Islam and call the rest of the uh, people towards Islam. We talked about the uh, acceptance of Islam of uh, um, Abu Sayyid bin Hudayr and Sa'ad bin Mu'ad radiallahu anhuma. And when we talked about uh, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad radiallahu an, uh, and he went back to his tribe, uh, everybody from his tribe to, to him, he told them he will not talk to them unless they become Muslim. So the whole tribe by the end of the day became Muslim except one person uh, and uh, he uh, he did not accept Islam until the day of the Uhud and uh, he entered into folds of Islam that day and he became a shaheed the very same day uh, he did not even pray a single rak'ah and he uh, this is all for because of that Rasulullah sallallahu said he has done a little but his reward is great so he did not pray a single rak'ah he entered into folds of Islam and he became a shaheed so uh, now before I go to the next part uh, of the seerah, I want to take a small pause and talk about uh, the first envoy or the safir of Islam, which was Musa ibn Umar Because it is very important for us to have uh, some background of a Sahabi, uh, if you want to say it will not be wrong, that who has a lot of, and he has done a lot for the ummah. Even until today, we, we are paying off. We may not be able to pay back what he has done for, for, the, for the Muslim Ummah. Uh, so talk about Mus'ab ibn Umair, and especially because we have some youth also here, it's, it's good for them to also relate to his life. Uh, and uh, he, he, when Rasulullah uh, started the call of Islam, uh, Mus'ab was there, and he was a very honorable person from an honorable family, and one of the key things about him was he was a, was a very handsome man from a very powerful family, handsome man, and from the mother and the father who was, father passed away, but from the mother, the one who was raising him, was a very rich woman. And uh, Mus'ab was famous for his clothes used to come from Sham, and his shoes would come from Yemen. Because the shoes of the Yemen were famous. So he would get the best of the shoes of Yemen 
and the best clothes from Shan. And uh, some of the reports talk about this. He used to have, if he passed by a path, people would, can, can tell Mus'ab was here because the kind of aitar, the perfumes he used to wear. And every woman of the Mecca would want him. Okay? So this is the kind of a personality he had. But at the same time, Mus'ab was also a thinker as well. And when Rasulullah was calling for Islam, for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, he heard about it. And uh, one time, he found out that Rasulullah and Sahaba they gathered at uh, Darul Arqam. So he went there and he heard Rasulullah reciting the Quran. And uh, he was a very good uh, in, in, in the language as well. Uh, he was about 24 years old at that time. The very first exposure he had, listening to the Quran like this, he accepted Islam. He entered into the folds of Islam. Now, at the same time, he was very well aware of that what was happening to the Muslims who were accepting Islam at that time. So uh, the Muslims were, the Sahaba <coughs> were getting tortured. We talked about that already. And... Uh, uh, and Rasulullah was, uh, was even tortured and uh, uh, they were trying to insult Rasulullah they tried to assassinate Rasulullah so he was aware of all these so he tried to hide his Islam in the beginning but he could not hide it too long and fi uh, finally especially the person who was trying to hide from was his mother and his mother was not only a rich woman she was a very tough woman also he's a very shrewd woman uh, with the tongue and the will. And uh, he was trying to hide from his mother, but somehow uh, it reached to, uh, they found out that he became Muslim. So when he was asked, he was very open because he was asked in front of uh, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of people. And he was very clear about exposing that, yes, he was a Muslim. He has accepted Islam and he has left uh, idol worshipping. Upon which his mother got very angry at him. And uh, because of the motherly love, she did not uh, torture him like the others were torturing the Muslimin. What she did with him was, she put him in a, kind of a, in a corner of the house, shackled him, and uh, tried to punish him like this so he would leave Islam. But uh, like his mother, he was much tougher in Islam than, her, than even his, his own mother. She was towards the paganism, idol worshipping, and when Mus'ab accepted Islam, he was very tough on Islam as well, very strong, firm believer in Islam. So uh, somehow when uh, he was shackled in a, a kind of, in a, you can call it like a prison within his own house, uh, he was able to free himself. And when he found out that some of the Sahaba were migrating to Habasha, he migrated along with them. So he made the first, uh, first hijrah of the Habasha. So he's one of those people who have done three migrations actually. So he made both the migrations to Habasha and he migrated to Medina as well. Okay, so first, first time when he migrated to uh, Habasha, after that, as we talked about the, Habasha, uh, the migration time before, uh, there was a news, a false news was pro uh, propagated that the people of Makkah have become Muslim. And 
So the people came back. So so did Musab at that time. When Musab came back, now his mother was trying to imprison him again. And he, she was trying to get the people so she can imprison him. So upon this, when uh, Musab found out that this is what his mother is trying to do, so this time Musab was ready. And he said, anybody who will try to come and uh, shackle me or, or, or arrest me like that, he's going to fight back. So now the mother, when she found out that this is how it's, it's going to be, the son is going to fight back with the guys that she's sending to, to get him. So uh, 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 she, she stopped. And she instantly knew that this is, he is a determined person. He's not going to go, go back. So he, she said, go away. I'm not your mother anymore. The mother says, you go away. You're not my mother. The Musab, when he heard that from his mother, he actually went to the mother. And he said, oh mother, I am advising you and my heart is with you. Please bear witness that there is nobody worthy of worship except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Muhammad is his servant and messenger. Basically, he's calling his mother, even in that situation, when she is throwing him out of the house, she, he is calling her towards him. See, so the respect does not go away. Even if your mother or the father are, uh, are kuffar, they are mushrikeen even, uh, they're kuffar, and they are, uh, they are still worthy of respect from the parent, from the children. Okay? And this is what Musab was doing. And then, but his mother... She got enraged and she said, by the stars, I will never enter your religion to degrade my status and weaken my senses. Uh, but Musab entered, uh, so when Musab heard this, he realized his mother is not going to listen anymore. So he left the mother. Now, what he left here is, we have to pay attention here. He was one of the richest people of the Mecca, has all sorts of wealth, and whatever you can dream of at this young age, he left everything for the sake of Islam. Because he knew that what is at stake, what was at stake? If he, if he goes after the dunya, that was basically, uh, he, he, was, he was raised in the wealth. He never saw poverty or anything. And that kind of a person, he left everything for the sake of Islam. Now, he went back to Rasulullah and now he was spending most of his time with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, learning about the Quran, learning about Islam, and whatever the Wahi was revealed, he was learning from him. And then, uh, as we talked about last week, when after the first bayah was concluded, Musab was sent with the people uh, of the Medina back, back to Medina, so they can, he can do the the da'wah or the tabligh over there of Islam. Now, uh, to I want to make another pause here to understand why Musab is the one who was chosen for this job. I mean, we know that uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, because he was a prophet, number one thing, he was getting the wahi from Allah subhanahu wa taala, and also <clears throat> to show us, he showed us the things how to do the run the life affairs. Even when you're choosing a person to do a job, how to choose a person to do a job. So Rasulullah always picked the person who was best for the job as well. So when Musab was picked, there was a huge, a huge job we are talking about. Going to Medina and calling the people towards the deen because of which the whole world will turn against you. To convince the people to that extent that now why the Musab is important here? 
There are a few, few things that they're not mentioned in the hadith, but from the characteristics of Rasulullah, from the Muhammad, you can see it very clearly. Like, for example, one, he was a young man. When he entered into folds of Islam, he was about 24 years old. When he migrated to Medina to do the tabligh, he was in his mid-30s. Still a very young, vibrant man. And uh, he was an experienced person because he did two migrations to Habasha also. Which means, not only that he's aware of uh, uh, going to a new place, he's aware of how to deal with the people who may have different cultures. Even in the Habasha, they were even speaking a different language as well. So he was a survivor of that kind of a two migrations too. The number three thing. He was, uh, <clears throat> he was from a very honorable family. Not only rich. He's from the family who used to carry the keys of the Kaaba. And we know that Kaaba <coughs> had a very high status among the people of the Arabian Peninsula. So for the people of the Medina, they had, they, they had to listen to Mus'abna. A person of that stature is there to call for, even though the message is against their own religion. But for the Mus'ab, for, for the people, li listening to Mus'ab became like, okay, he is from an honorable family. We have to give, the, give our ears to him. Uh, he was from the family called Bani Abduddar. Uh, and he, which is called, they were the guardians of the Kaaba, the keys of the Kaaba, key of the Kaaba. So that's another thing. Now, besides that, when the Mus'ab was sent to this area of Medina, we know that Rasulullah was rejected by many tribes. In some cases, they rejected. Other cases, even though Rasulullah was given the, uh, the, they were offering him the authority, he rejected them because they were putting some conditions. So this uh, bad happened, and after the Musab was sent, it was sent for a specific purpose. And the purpose was to, br to bring the people into folds of Islam, so these people will support Rasulullah to implement the hukum of Allah in Medina. Now, if a person has been sent, if he's not the right person, he could be the one be thinking of, oh, I can become a leader now. Musab himself was already had everything. And he left for the sake of Islam. So this was nothing for him to go after. So from that perspective, Musab was again the best candidate for this job. And uh, Musab was also, besides these things, he was very well known from the beginning because of his kindness, his wisdom, his softness, and his eloquence in the language as well. And uh, uh, he's not after the riches of the dunya. Because he actually abandoned the riches. He had things that many people dream of all the time. And he abandoned all those things. So he was the best person for this job that Rasulullah chose him. Okay? So we, when we talk about Mus'ab bin Umair, we should always remember what kind of a personality he was. And now the very same Mus'ab, what we find is... The person, when he became a shaheed in the Ghazwatul Ahad, the one who used to get the most expensive clothes and the shoes and the, and the perfumes and all those things, and the women are after him, the very same person, when he became a shaheed, and we, as we know, when a person is martyred, 
you bury him in the same clothes. And he, the clothes that he had, he had just one, uh, what do you call it, a cloak kind of thing that he was uh, covering himself with. So when he became a shaheed, the reports talk about that, he was carrying one of the flags. And uh, uh, the, 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 the mushrik, he came and he cut off the right hand. So now he grabbed the, uh, the flag with the left hand. Then he cut off the left hand also. Then Musab, he actually, whatever the remaining parts of the hands were, he clamped basically the flag with both the, the, those parts of the arms with the, with the chest. And then that, that Mushrik actually martyred the Musab ibn Umair on the day of the Uhud. Now, when they were burying him, so uh, when they were covering his uh, head, his feet was showing. And when they were covering his feet, his head was showing the amount of cloth, cloth they, the clothing that he had. So Rasulullah had the tears in his eyes. And uh, he was, uh, uh, because he was remembering Mus'ab, what he was before he entered into the folds of Islam. Not that he was a loser, it's just remembering the, those times. Of course, he was a successful one. We all know that. He's the successful one. Can you imagine a person because of which the Madi, the people of the Medina entered into folds of Islam? He's the one who brought the great tidings to Rasulullah that enough people have entered into folds of Islam that Rasulullah can migrate to Medina now. And that, that Medina place the, the, which, became the, uh, the, uh, which became the starting point of Islam to, to be spread to the rest of the world after that. And today we are the result of the very same job the Musa ibn Umair started. So how much uh, can, can we think of him as a, as a loser? He is the victorious one. We know that all of us. So Musa ibn Umair, he got martyred uh, at that time. Khabbab bin Arth, he actually mentioned in one of the hadith. He says, when we migrated, we migrated with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam seeking the, the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So our reward became due from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of us died without enjoying on the day, uh, without enjoying anything of his reward in this world. Among them is Musa bin Umair. He was martyred on the day of Uhud and we could not find anything to shroud him in except a namira. If he was covered, his head was uh, with, with, with head, his feet were uncovered. And if we covered his feet, uh, feet with it, his head became uncovered. Rasulullah told us to cover his head with it and put, uh, put some uh, grass uh, or the bushes over his feet. And for some of us, the fruit of our labor have ripened and we are gathering them. He's talking about Qubab, that later on, especially in the time of uh, Umar bin Khattab an, when the wealth started coming into the Muslim land. Uh, before that, there were many of the Sahaba the one who were actually the uh, the main you want to call them uh, you want to call them as the, as the pioneers or leaders of of the Muslim Ummah they did not even see those uh, fruits that the Muslim Ummah saw later on and Musab is one of them and he is the one who left everything and he died in their state actually that he was he, they barely have something now this very same Musab now he was one of the 
No, so Musa ibn Umair was not from the Ashra Mubashira, but like uh, we are, we can find the other ahadith that reports about that. When it comes to Ashra Mubashira, those ten names are different names that Rasulullah mentioned in the hadith. This is why we call them Ashra Mubashira. We know that besides the, the those ten Ashra Mubashira, we know about Hamza, for example. He is the first Sayyid Shuhada. We know about Bilal. Rasulullah mentioned about in the Isra al Mi'raj that uh, he heard the footsteps of uh, Bilal over there. So, uh, 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 or, or for example, Ashra Mubashira does not talk about Khadija, does not talk about Fatima. But you can find many other ahadith that talk about there also people of Jannah. Like many ahadith talks about people of Badr, for example. So even though the Ashram Mubashira is another, uh, if you want to call him, another category which is mentioned in one of the ahadith. But Musab was not uh, those ten. Okay. Now when uh, Musab ibn Umayr radiallahu anh, when he migrated there and we talked about that and he was doing the da'wah over there. And uh, the, uh, the 13th year of the Nabuwa of the prophethood, during that pilgrimage, again the people of Medina came. And that included Muslims and the mushrikeen from them. It's not only Muslims who came. So there are about 75 Muslims came who were part of the, uh, the bay'ah. Among them, there were 73 men and two women. But, uh, but that, uh, when they came for the Hajj, so they, uh, they were trying to meet Rasulullah in secrecy again. Because the, the bay'ah we are talking about this is something big. And Quraysh were, uh, as we will see later on, when they found out about this, they were aware of it, what has happened. And they were trying to stop this. So anyways, so when, uh, when the people of Medina, they came for the Hajj in the, in the 13th year of, uh, of the prophethood, uh, one of the leaders of the Ansar, Ka'ab bin Malik, he's the one who uh, uh, gave an account of this historic event that happened. Okay, uh, and he said, "We set out for pilgrimage and struck an agreement in mid Tashriq days. We know the Tashriq days, which are uh, after uh, Yom Nahar, the three days that we, we talk about. They are considered as 11, 12, and thirteenth of the Dhul Hajjah. Uh, they are called Ayyam Tashriq. We, we were accompanied by a, uh, by a they were referring to him as a celebrity, a big uh, honorable person who was not a Muslim yet." And his name was Abdullah bin Amr bin Haram, who was still a polytheist. So they went to him and they disclosed what they were going to do with Rasulullah Okay, And they offered him Islam. And this person, he entered into folds of Islam. When he heard about Islam, he entered into folds of Islam. And right away he became Muslim. And then they went to meet Rasulullah in, uh, in Aqaba. So... There was a night time and the people in the, in the camp, they were sleeping. It's about a third of the night was passed. So these people, the one who want to go and meet Rasulullah in privacy, secrecy, nobody would know. So they left the mushrikeen sleeping. And those Muslims, 73 men and two women, they got up and they went to meet Rasulullah wasallam. The two women who were there was Nusayba bin Tikab. And uh, other were Asma bin Tiyama. Uh, these are the two women. So they waited for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Rasulullah came with his uncle. So remember last week we talked about there will be two Abbas in this discussion. One is the uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
And other Abbas is the one from the even the first uh, 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 who was present in the first bay'ah as well. Okay. So now Abbas is the one who came with Rasulullah and he started speaking first. So this is Ka'ab bin Malik. He is reporting what happened that day. So he said, "Oh, you people of Khazraj, the uh, Arab used to call. Ansar, so he's saying Arab used to call Ansar uh, Khazraj, whether from Khazraj or Aus." They used to call them Al-Khazraj. <coughs> so you all know the position that Muhammad holds among us. We have protected him from our people as much as we could. <coughs> he is honored and respected among his people. He refuses, he refuses to join any party except you. So if you think you can carry out what you promise while inviting him to your town, and if you can defend him against the enemies, then assume the burden that you have taken. But if you are going to surrender, then assume, uh, surrender him and betray him after having uh, taken him away with you, you had better leave him now because he is respected and well defended in his own place. So he's talking about his own tribe can take care of him. He's uncle of Rasulullah even though he was not a Muslim at that time. Okay, Abbas was not a Muslim at that time when he's talking on behalf of Rasulullah Now Kaab replied to him, we have heard you to uh, Abbas. Uh, we heard your words and now, Rasulullah, it is you to speak and take from us any pledge that you want regarding your Lord and yourself. Anything you want from us. They are talking about unconditional pledge we want, they were willing to give. The bad that they were offering was anything Allah and His Messenger want from them. See, contrary to the other tribes, some of the other tribes who was trying to make compromise with Rasulullah whether it was Banu Amr bin Sa'sa or Banu Shaiban or even the Quraysh until the end of the time Quraysh was trying to say we will give you the power, we will give you the authority even as long as you don't talk about what you are talking about so don't talk about Islam you want power, give you power you want to give, uh, become the richest person, make you the richest person you want to make the most beautiful woman, will get you the most beautiful woman to you Whatever you want will get you, but stop this da'wah. So Rasulullah did not join any of them. He was not there to make any kind of a compromise. Now, Rasulullah he took the pledge from them. And I'll talk about what he said after that, but first I want to talk about the wordings of the pledge. The pledge was taken with to listen and obey in all sets of circumstances, one. To spend in plenty as well as in scarcity. Explain the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To enjoin the good and forbid the, uh, the evil. Amar al-ma'roof wa nahi'an munkar. And in Allah's service, you will fear the censure of none to defend me in case I seek your help and debar me from anything you debar yourself, your spouses, and your children from. And if you observe those precepts, paradise is in store for you. Meaning, the, 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 what you're going to get in return is the paradise. Okay? Now, when uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was uh, talking to them, he, he made sure about these things. And uh, uh, when, uh, uh, when Rasulullah started talking, he recited the Quran and called the people towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he concluded saying, I give you my pledge that you debar me from whatever you debar your women, children from, uh, 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 children from as I mentioned before. And then uh, one of the Sahaba from Ansar, Al-Bara bin Ma'roor, 
He caught him by hand and said, Oh yes, we swear by Allah who sent you as, uh, as Prophet in truth that we will debar you from whatever we debar our, our women from. Have confidence in us, O Messenger of Allah. By Allah, we are genuine fighters and quite reliable in war. It is a trait passed down to us from our ancestors. See that? So here, this ba'ah was very clear about defending Rasulullah Fighting for Rasulullah It was not just entering into folds of Islam. They were already Muslims. These 75 people who came to Rasulullah they were already Muslim. This pledge is not talking about entering into folds of Islam. This pledge is talking about protecting Rasulullah and protecting the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do whatever it takes. This is why they're talking about that they are warriors. This uh, art of fighting has been passed down to them generations through generations. And uh, uh, so uh, uh, then Abu Haytham, he interrupted and said, O Prophet of Allah, between us and the Jews, there, there are agreements which we would then sever. We'll cut them, cut them off. If Allah grants you power and victory, should we expect that you would not leave us and join the ranks of your people, meaning Quraysh? Uh, so Allah upon that, he smiled. And his response was, uh, he says, uh, which means, uh, no, it would be, never be. Your blood will be my blood. Then he goes like, uh, meaning uh, in life and death. And uh, uh, he says, I am from you and you are from me. Meaning, uh, he's saying that now he's not going to leave them. He will never leave them. He's from them from now on, from the Ansar. And he says, I will be with you and you will be with me. I will... Uh, it continued on that uh, that I will fight whoever you fight and I will make peace with those with you who make peace. So after that, now the Abbas bin Ubadah, this is the other Abbas I'm talking about. Okay, before we talked about Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib. Now Abbas bin Ubadah bin Nadla. He remarked, O oh, you people of Khazraj, because it sounds pretty much similar, like the other Abbas said, but you, there's a difference here. He said, O oh, you people of Khazraj, do you know the significance of the pact that you are entering into with this man? You are in fact avoiding that you will fight against all and sundry if you fear that your property will be at stake or the lives of your nobles will be endangered. Then leave him now, because if you do this, uh, if you do this after the pledge, it will be degrading for you both in this world and the akhirah. But if you think that you can carry out what you are called upon to do, in spite of the loss of precious lives and pro- property, then undertake this heavy responsibility. And I swear by Allah that herein lies the good of this world and that of the next. See, so he, they are making sure that there is no room for ifs and, <coughs> ifs and buts here, or turning back. Once you have given this pledge that you would protect Rasulullah abide by it. If you don't abide by it, you will be not only in this dunya, but in akhirah also, you will be from the losers. <coughs> now, they, re- they replied, 
we have already considered the loss of property and the murder of our notables. This is the response they gave back to uh, Abbas bin Ubadah. Uh, Yet we pay him allegiance. But what is our reward if we observe all the items of this pact? Rasulullah replied, paradise. His response was, only thing that you are going to get in return is the Jannah. Don't expect anything else. Don't expect like Ahmed bin Sasa that if, when Rasulullah died, then you will get the, the leadership. Don't expect like Banu Shaiban that you are okay uh, to fight one side but you will not protect the, the Rasulullah from, from the other side. Don't act like uh, Quraysh who was trying to say, give him the power but asking him leave Islam on the side. So the only, only thing that they were expecting in return was Jannah. That's the only thing. Okay? Then they asked him to stretch out his hand and they all stretched out their hands and took the pledge. Okay? Uh, and then Rasulullah uh, he made the 12 people among them as the nuqaba. The one who Rasulullah basically made them as, uh, what, what's the translation for nuqaba? Deputies. He made the dep- deputies. Uh, and out of those 12, 9 were from Khazraj. And three of them were from Aus. Uh, the ones from the Al-Khazraj were uh, As'ad bin Zurara, Sa'ad bin Rabi'ah, Abdullah bin Rawaha, Rafi bin Malik, Al-Bara bin Ma'roor, Abdullah bin Amr, Ubadah bin Su'amid, Sa'ad bin Ubadah, Al-Mundir bin Amr. And from Al-Aus was Usaid bin Hudayr, Sa'ad bin Khathima, and Rafa' bin Abdul Mundir. So these are the 12 that Rasulullah made them as the deputies. Now, when, when, uh, so now these people, they went back to their camp, okay? But somehow, and the report talks about one of the shayateen, he took the news and spread it among the Quraysh, that look what has happened, what is happening here. But that pledge was already happened. When they heard about this, now they went to the camps, or, uh, to the camps of uh, the people of Medina, and they wanted to investigate what's going on. When they went there, they start asking questions about this. And the mushrikeen who came along with the people of Medina, they had no clue what they were talking about. Remember, the Sahaba, they left after one third of the night was passed, everybody fell asleep, they got up and they went to meet Rasulullah So the mushrikeen had no clue that the Sahaba went, they gave the pledge and came back. And they are investigating and they are showing they have no idea what you're talking about. And the Muslims, they just stayed silent. They did not say anything. Mushrikeen were responding back to them. That there was no pledge, nothing like this happened. And uh, they did not, uh, uh, obviously they were able to convince, but they were not fully convinced. And uh, when, when the people from the Medina, they went back, they were going back to Medina, and they were quite far away, they decided to catch them, the people of Quraysh, uh, of, the, of the Mecca. But they were not able to get them except one, one of the Sahabi, uh, one of the Sahaba, Sa'ad bin Ubadah. They got him and they tortured him. Uh, and they subjected him to unspeakable torture. Again, the person who rescued him as well was Al-Mut'am bin Adi. Al-Mut'am bin Adi and Harith bin Harb. These two guys, because they had trade relationship, relationships with him, they intervened and they protected uh, Sa'ad bin Ubadah. So this is, the, uh, this is the story of the second pledge that happened uh, between Rasulullah and the people of Medina. 
But uh, to remember that this uh, this pledge was taken. So uh, actually, one aspect I forgot to mention. Uh, so before, uh, so so we will remember that. At one point, actually, the people of Medina they said to, uh, to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, if he ordered them, they they are prepared enough to go and crush the Qurayshite, all the people of Quraysh. So and Rasulullah sallallahu said, no, we are not ordered yet, because they were not ordered yet. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi restrained them. Who 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 asked the question? What uh, the Ansar, Ansar told Rasulullah So uh, this pledge was the pledge of fighting or protecting Rasulullah <laughs> It was not uh, uh, anything else but to basically transferring the authority authority to Rasulullah to come and rule over them. Okay, so we'll stop here. Inshallah, we'll continue from here. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.